0: The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We will talk about the Packers and how they show signs of life. We're going to talk about questions at the bar. We're going to also talk about the golden kegs for the Packers-Cowboys. A lot of Packers-Cowboys to start the day. We will also get into the Milwaukee Bucks and why this is a big week for the Bucks. And then we'll just do a little bit of rapid fire, maybe talk a little college hoops, talk a little little bit about the badgers basically yeah they're not college hoops college football I'll talk about the badgers um they lost to iowa but yeah we won't spend too much time on it because there's not much really more that needs to be said on that uh it's just it was a bad loss so won't talk too much about that like i said but we'll talk a lot about the Packers. We're also doing it over the phone again. Uh, hopefully I have my computer back sooner rather than later. Hopefully know the verdict on that today or tomorrow. So that'd be great. Uh, but before we get going, just a reminder, follow along on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, Tap the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, we're also on Facebook at that same name. Make sure that you are rating and reviewing if you've not already subscribed. Um, I didn't ask a couple people who I know probably subscribed to podcasts. I didn't ask them if they reviewed yesterday at Lambo. I probably should have. Uh, but that's okay. It's here and are there. Uh, but we'd like to see those ratings and reviews come in. We'd really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Uh, also, yeah, subscribe if you are new to the program. If you're joining us, if you came in from TikTok, came from Instagram, however you came in. Yeah, if you're new to the program, we want you subscribed. Alright, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers beating the Dallas Cowboys. It was an awesome day at Lambeau Field. Uh, I was there. uh, You might notice my voice is a little bit, I would say, not necessarily at 100%. It's not necessarily at 50% either. It's kind of just, I feel it. I feel like the sore throat. Like I feel like I was yelling and screaming, let's go, 100 times at at Lambeau Field. It was a great game. It's probably one of the best football games I've been at in a long time. And maybe this is a tapless for another time because like I've been at some good football games and sometimes you just don't go. Like the one I went to last year, for example, Packers 117 and nothing. Inherently boring game. Like they shut out the Seahawks. It was fun to beat the Seahawks, but it was not the most fun game that I'd ever been to. This game was unbelievable. Like I told my wife after the game, I had the Packers lost. I think I would have been really disappointed. I'd been really sad, but I would have at some point said that was probably one of the best football games of the year for the Green Bay Packers in terms of just the up and down nature of it, right? And we're gonna at some point, my wife had texted her mom and was like, "Yeah, Charlie's emotions just keep moving with how the score goes," and it was true because I think I put so much in this game. Like i I threw myself into this. I told friends I was like, you know what? I feel like they're going to win this game. I just had a feeling all week. I had a great workout on Friday. Uh, so after I did the Friday pod, I, I just had this unbelievable workout where I just it felt good like I just felt the Packers were going to win this game and I wouldn't be convinced otherwise of it and just an exuber you know exuberance like a confidence and it, it kept going like the weekend everything else like I still felt good heading up to Lambeau and that the Packers were going to win this game so I think that's why like when the Packers were down 24-28 14 I was like, Oh my God. Like, I was like, fuck, like, I might be wrong. And the Amari Rogers play, which we'll talk about later, like that, you know, is the turning point. And there, it seemed like every game this year when the Packers lost, there was that one moment where we're like, yeah, but if that would have happened, who knows, who knows what changes, right? That seemed to be the Amari Rogers play. And fans were bad. Like, the vibes were off. Roger mentioned that after the game with Tom Rinaldi, that the fans really were quiet. Like, after 28-14, to everybody sort of was dead. Like, there were a lot of Cowboys fans. It was probably 70-30, honestly. Uh, But it it was one of those things where it seemed like everybody sort of, it was like, here we go again. And there was a lot of bitching and a lot of people upset. And kind of kind of like well there's a lot of ball game left and I was sitting by a guy who was a Cowboys fan who's a good dude like a uh, awesome guy his buddy who had a mu- great mullet like just an absolutely awesome mullet it was a beaut to hang out with uh as well lo- as well as obviously my wife who I went to the game with but yeah it was And once they get the touchdown to Watson it's 28 20 28 21 you're like all right you just gotta just gotta stop and you're gonna have a chance and sure enough the Packers got a chance and for a team that we have criticized them all year for maybe not having the heart, maybe not responding to adversity. This is exactly what the Bay Packers did. Green Packers never really gave up in this game. The Packers never could have easily put down their swords and walked away and said, this season's over, fuck it. It doesn't matter. And the Green Bay Packers didn't do that. The Green Bay Packers kept kept fighting, kept scrapping, got their way back, forced overtime. Overtime looked in peril, right? Cowboys drove right down the field. Their Packers buck up, get strong, hold Dallas on a fourth and two. And I still, I still don't understand McCarthy going for that. Um, I would have tracked with Brett Maher. Maher must have told him. That or a special teams coach told him like he can't make it from 52. Also, interesting enough, the winds had shifted at the end of that game. Like Ramiz Ahmed, who was doing the kickoffs for the Packers, he booted one out of the end zone into that end zone. And I think the Packers took you know the wind advantage when they didn't win the toss in the overtime period, and so maybe there was a little more wind. And obviously McCarthy, more than anybody, has experience with Lambeau Field and felt like. There was no way that a 52 yarder was going to, it was going to go. And it got cold. Like that end of that game was chilly. Like that, no question about it. Like it was really, really cold in the, you know, end of the fourth quarter and into overtime. And so it, it felt like that was the reason why McCarthy sort of said, all right, we're going to try to have Dak Prescott win this one for us. And the Packers got a great pass rush and were able to hold Dallas. And then the big Lazard play and then the face-masking call on Aaron Jones and the rest was history. And the Packers win this football game. And they have shown now signs of life. And their playoff odds tripled per 538 Uh, There's a 25% chance per what Steele Kapadia of the ringers metrics say there's a chance here and I'm not ready to basically go go all in and say the Packers are going to the playoffs. Um, I had a lot of friends who were a little negative after the game and I appreciate that they were being realists, and I understand that you can't just have your head buried in the sand. But it's still, after going to that game and then having your friends just shit on everything, was not exactly my favorite. I'll be honest, and I I know that right. They they didn't go to the game. They they didn't have the energy. I think that that I did. But it, it is it is true, and I understand there's people, you know precautionary steps forward and saying this was really great this was fun to win but i don't know man being in that stadium you just felt the almost the magic right you felt like everything was back to to normal and it was really weird and i don't know if you want to believe in this or not you can take it for what it's worth i am such a superstitious like aaron Rodgers, ayahuasca type guy where i the signs matter to me but i found it fascinating that i was with a group of guys um, before the game we all had went to the San Francisco game. We all had went to the San Francisco game. We had not been to a game at Lambeau since that San Francisco game. We all were at the San Francisco game. And so, – or I'm sorry. We were all at the Dallas game. Pardon me. So we were all, we were all at the San Francisco game. We were all at the Dallas game. And we, you know, it's like this whole thing where all of a sudden we're looking at the, we're looking at each other like this. This is kind of the rebirth, right? This is sort of the cleanse. Like we're we're finally ridding us of the San Francisco vibes. And sure enough, the Packers win this game. And now I don't know if this means Packers are going to go on a on a crazy run, but if you beat Tennessee on two on Thursday, which we'll talk a lot about, you know, in the short time frame that we have, Packers are all of a sudden five and six. And then it's you know anyone's ball game. Do they need to pretty much win out to get a playoff spot? Yeah, potentially. The Packers probably might not get in at nine and eight. We'll talk a little bit more about sort of playoffs here in a second. But I think where you look at it, and in terms of the signs of life, you just you just have to sort of take it day by day, and you have to look at it like this is the first step. Now, do you need multiple steps before you're kind of considered back? Sure. But this was the first step and a step that we've been waiting for for weeks. Would the Detroit win or the Washington win be nice right now? Absolutely. The Washington win, especially. Those would be great. Those would be great to have. And I, I think I mentioned to you guys on Friday's show. If I didn't, it's definitely something I thought about. You know, the Packers have been in almost every game and they've, they've been there. And there's a probably an alternate universe right now where it's the Packers and Vikings on a collision course for the second to last game of the season because the Packers are six and two or whatever it would be. Now that's bad math. So four and six. So they'd be eight and two or maybe not that much, but maybe they're seven and three and the Vikings are are an eight and one. Like they're on a collision course for for that last game. There to me, there is that universe that exists. I mean, the Packers were three and one. Remember, like, it was like the Packers started off slow. Like they were three and one, the London game fucked it up. And, and man, I, I thought I've thought about this too. Like, do the Packers lose to the Giants at Lambeau Field? Like, if we if we really boil it down, like, is London sort of the, a a predecessor to what happened here? And then you have the Jets the second week. You don't have to do all the travel. Like, I'm not making an excuse for the team, but I'm just. I, I think you have to consider it among the among everything in this season, right? I, I think you really do. And if Christian Watson doesn't get hurt, right? And where, where, what happens then? I mean, there are there's a lot of like almost Packers. Like when I thought, I, I for a second in overtime thought the Packers were going to lose that game, and I was ready to do this sort of open as like they're the almost Packers, like they're they're almost there. And and if this happens, they do this, and if this happens, they do that. So I think that there is something there where. You have to at least consider the Packers could have, you know, maybe got there and maybe had a better record, but the record is what it is. It's through 10 games. You have another shot on Thursday night, which is great. You got to try to not be too hungover from that big Cowboys win. That's it, which is hard to do, right? But you would almost argue that playing Thursday gives you no time to celebrate, right? They have no, they can't take any days off. They have to be back at work today. Right, they have to be back at work. There's no, there's no time for for you to be excited about this. It's almost a good thing, right? And then if you beat the Titans, you can then have ten days before you get ready for the likely undefeated Eagles in Philadelphia, and then have a real chance to be six and six heading into a less than less than difficult November or less than difficult December. So we'll see what happens. But man, it was a great day at Lambeau Field. I had so much fun. And I'm so glad I was able to witness that, and potentially the turnaround of the season. Questions at the bar—it's kind of a new segment that we've been doing. Uh, just questions after after the Packer game, and we we'll, we have I have two. I don't have three. Um, I, I did have three originally, but I'm, we're going to scrap two. Can they make the playoffs? So we kind of dance around this. You know, I obviously they can't, right? Um, the NFL is a week-to-week league. We don't know what will happen. But I will say one of the things working against the Packers is that the Seahawks and Giants have easy schedules, and they have easy schedules because they were bottom feeders last year. The Eagles and the Eagles and, or I'm sorry, the Giants and Seahawks. I didn't mean to say the Eagles thinking birds. Giants and Seahawks both have easy schedules, and it's not going to. That's going to hurt them, right? Because if you're pinpointing teams where like they, I need them to lose. It's the Giants and it's the Seahawks. Those are those are two teams that are on your radar. If you assume the 49ers, who are just only, I think, a game ahead of the Packers, right, or maybe one game ahead of the Packers, you know, then you could say, well, the Niners, maybe. But the Niners are a really good football team. I, I'd be hard-pressed to see the Niners not make the playoffs. I think it would be the Giants and the Seahawks are those two teams that you'd look at and you'd say, maybe. Could Dallas miss the playoffs? I mean, Dallas does. I didn't even look at Dallas' schedule. I actually think Dallas is pretty good. So I'm not putting a lot of stock in this loss for Dallas. I think Dallas was up against it. I think throwing Dak 46 times and Tony Pollard 22 makes no sense. It was almost like McCarthy just reverted back to what he used to be or what he has been for a lot of his career, where he goes away from the running game and forgets that he has a running game. And forgetting Tony Pollard, I'm thankful for it for the Packers. But I'm not, I'm not ready to write off this Cowboys team. They have a very tough game against Minnesota, uh, but it's a 325. Lights are bright in Minnesota. Minnesota has been kind of flying under the radar. The hype is there. I've been waiting for the, shoot, the other shoe to fall for Minnesota. It could be starting today because you have that game on Sunday, and then you have Thanksgiving against the Patriots. And then all of a sudden, Minnesota's at three losses if they lose both those games. And you have to, you have to think a little bit differently. But I also find it hard pressed that Minnesota will lose two, two home games. And if Minnesota beats Dallas, then all of a sudden Dallas, Dallas Packers are only two back at Dallas, assuming they win against Tennessee and they have that tiebreaker. So that, that becomes a little interesting. And then the pressure ramps up on McCarthy and then all the feel good stories about Dallas being back and Mike McCarthy, it changes, right? So I, I think we, the approach, about can we make the playoffs? You have to just take it every Sunday, right? We'll have the game to Thursday. That get that if that win happens, great. If they lose, right, which could happen. Derrick Henry obviously a monster. Uh, cold weather Henry. It's you know a thing that that we'll, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very cold there. Uh, can Green Bay you know bottle up Derrick Henry? Uh, you know Denver did a really good job of it on Sunday. I would imagine watch that tape, see what they've done. Uh, but they're going to have to do that again to beat that Tennessee team. And if they don't and they lose that game, then it that becomes really hard. Um, then, yeah, so the, the margin of error at this point is very slim. Could the margin of error grow if more teams start losing and it looks like there's going to be a 9-8 and eight playoff team in the, at, at the 7th spot? Yes, that margin of error will grow. But right now, the margin of error looks very slim. So I think we have to just take it a Sunday-by-Sunday Sunday approach in terms of will the Packers you know make the playoffs. The other question that I have for the people is will Christian Watson have a huge second half? I So we're going to talk a little bit more about Christian Watson's performance in Golden Keg, so I don't want to step all over that. But I think what I will say on that is I, I believe that Christian Watson is going to have a massive second half. I think that he is a solid player. I think that a lot of his struggles were more injury related versus like Aaron Rodgers not wanting him to throw him the ball. Maybe initially, right, in that uh, game against the Chicago Bears, maybe that was one where they weren't going to give Watson the ball too much. But remember, he had a hamstring injury that put him out pretty much for three weeks, four weeks. He didn't go on IR, but it was basically IR. He he had a hamstring injury, couldn't play against Tampa. That that was an issue. They were planning to have him really involved in that Buffalo game. He gets a concussion. He's out for that entire game. Then which they would said after the game, they said we had a, a playbook basically for Christian Watson, and it didn't work out. So I, I almost wonder, you know, what they did against Dallas. I I I kind of am curious. Was that sort of the Buffalo plan? And knowing that Buffalo's a little more vulnerable than I think we thought. And I, I hope that fans think about that Buffalo loss a little differently today. It's, it's frustrating to see Minnesota and New York win against Buffalo because the Packers easily could have too, And Buffalo easily could have four losses right now and be on a three-game losing streak. And this Buffalo team that you know some were saying could be a one-loss team for the whole year, um, they're not that. And they, they have some issues. Um, and we, we have seen that. And I think the Packer fans, that's, that's another one to be a little more upset about, right? Again, going back to that almost mentality here. But I, I think for Watson to just revert back there is like, Yeah, I think that the second half breakout is definitely possible. And I know fans don't want to hear this and this will make people upset because, you know, the worst thing is kind of be in that herb cold middle, right? To be eight and nine or nine and eight and not make the playoffs and finish 14th with a 14th or 15th pick. If you, if they finish nine and eight, but Dobbs and Watson look like the next best thing and it looks like you just have to take one year off. I think you're still feeling good, and, and just a reminder, just so everybody remembers this: Baltimore Ravens finished fourth in the AFC South last year at nine and eight. They had a ton of injuries. Lamar Jackson obviously got hurt. Part of that, they they got the 14th pick. They drafted Kyle Hamilton, who was one of my favorite guys out of that draft. And Kyle Hamilton started day one. And if that were the Packers this year, and they got a guy, I don't know who's in the 14th. I I don't look at mock drafts this early. But they could still get a game-racker at 14, okay? They could trade up, right? They could trade up to 10 or 11 and get a guy like Micah Parsons, who, by the way, was pretty quiet. And I thought the game plan against Parsons is an interesting one, and I'll be curious to see if other people do similar because it basically was a wave, and they they caught Michael Parsons in the wave. I didn't really notice this as I was watching the game, you know, obviously on the field, uh, but my buddy Pat, who I had dinner with after the game, kind of pointed that out, and i very curious to see how many more people apply to that. But again, it, 14th pick is not the worst thing in the world. Now, if Green Bay struggles, let's say they lose to Tennessee, let's say they lose to Philadelphia, and they're now four, what would that be four and eight? I do wonder if that's Jordan Love time, and then you see what you have with Jordan Love for all December, and you blame the thumb injury, and and then who knows? Maybe you get up into the top ten. But I, I'm not looking at the tank right now. I, th- I still believe there's a world where if you're seven and ten or you're, again, eight and nine even – I, I, and, but Watson is starting to develop and Dobbs is starting to emerge and you, you just see the next generation of the Green Bay Packers. I still think you're going to bed feeling good about that. It sucks. It sucks that, you know, things didn't break our way, but I, I still think there is a, a road to be positive even if the Packers don't make the playoffs. I realize the window is very small. I realize Rodgers could retire. Also, food for thought. Another thing just to, just to remember, like we forget about a lot of this shit because we're so caught up in the moment. But remember, Brett Favre in 2006, I think Mike McCarthy was a coach then. Yeah, this is Mike McCarthy's first year. Packers finished eight and eight. They they had the Packers on prime time. They flexed the Packers even though they were seven and eight. They flexed the Packers on prime time to play the Bears. I believe this was New Year. It was New Year's Eve. I remember because I think I had people over that night. Packers win that game. Favre's extremely emotional after the game. Almost like it's going to look like he's going to retire. And he's going to step down. And the Packer, he doesn't. He he comes back. He's there for 20, 2007. And he has a damn near, he probably wins MVP that year if Tom Brady doesn't have an undefeated football team and Randy Moss, right? He probably wins MVP if it's not for that. And they were 13 and 3 and probably should have been in the Super Bowl. So it it is possible to have one down year and then be fucking awesome the next year. So just like keep that in mind. There might be a corollary there. We don't know, right? Uh, but that that could be that could be the one that you're looking at. Because it, even if you don't make the playoffs, there's still a chance that next year could be awesome. Moving on to Golden Kegs, we do this every week. Uh, the best and worst of the Green Bay Packers. We could talk a little bit more about the best. Uh, last couple weeks, actually last week, I didn't even give a, a five keg out. Uh, five kegs the best, one keg the worst. Let's roll. Five kegs goes to Rudy Ford. So we didn't talk much about Rudy Ford at the open, but Rudy Ford is the reason why the Packers won this football game. All right? Like, Rudy Ford, I don't understand why he wasn't the starting safety a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't get it. I don't know if it was – maybe the Packers concerned that Rudy Ford couldn't do special teams and be the starting strong safety. If that was the issue, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Right. I I have no idea. I, we, we don't have that answer from Matt LaFleur or Rich Passaccia or anybody else, but Rudy Ford was tremendous in this football game and the interception in the end zone was massive. And then he gets another one, sets the Packers up, for another score, but yeah, that interception in the end zone, you want to talk about game-changing plays. You know, Rodgers fumbles after the Cowboys had just scored. It's looking like either Dallas is going to go up 14 nothing or 10-0 and, and kind of take control of this first half, and then Dak throws a brutal interception to Rudy Ford, and Ru- as fast as Rudy is, like, if Rudy gets one in space, he's going to house call it, and I, I just, it, it was awesome. And after a game, Darnell Savage mentioned how Rudy's a pretty humble guy, doesn't say much. And they were, like, celebrating with him in the locker room. Like, Rudy deserves this. I mean, talk about a guy who just came out of nowhere. And that's the type of shit you need for a turnaround, right? You need guys out of nowhere, you know, playing to their strengths. And Rudy was excellent. And it's, I'm a little upset at Joe Barry that this this took this long But at the same time, I'm happy that it's here. And I look forward to more Rudy Ford moments. And and again, not everyone's going to be perfect, right? There's going to get a book on Rudy Ford. It's kind of like a pitcher who starts hot after being in the minors. And the first couple games, it's awesome. And he's great. And then it's like third third outings fourth outing you know all of a sudden the books come out and you're like all right this is how we exploit him and so there is that I mean the middle of the field still was kind of open a little bit too much uh but I don't put that all on Rudy Ford obviously four kegs goes to Christian Watson can't give Christian Watson a five. Oh, I had another five guys sorry uh, this one's kind of hand in hand but I also have a five keg for buying in as well as the running game so Aaron Rodgers ran, by design, 62% of his plays. I have no idea how this is accounted for. I have zero idea. Like, my wife talks all the time about fake stats. Like, I'll, I'll throw up, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, they haven't won in, you know, Bozeman, uh, just because it's a topic of conversation with them going to game day. But they haven't won in Bozeman in, like, 15 years. And she's like, that doesn't matter. Like, things change. Like, that's fake stat. Um, it, it's the same with kind of this. Like, I, I don't know how this is generated, but according to Rob Domoski, that – Rodgers ran by design 62% of the time, and it's the most that, you know, the Packers have run by design, I think, since 2018. Uh, It's incredible, Um, and that shows a sign of Rodgers sort of buying in. And so whether that was a conversation with him and Lafleur, whether that was a, you know, some sort of, you know, coming to, to terms and saying, like, let's do it my way and see if this works, or just how to deal with the Cowboys pass rush, I have no idea. But it's really fascinating. Also, Aaron Rodgers, 20 pass attempts. It was the lowest amount of pass attempts since 2010 in a win against the Lions um, in week four. That, that's crazy. Packers also ran the ball 39 fucking times. So speaking of the running game, which also was five kegs, Aaron Jones, incredible game, 138 yards, 25 carries, A.J. Dillon, 15 carry, or 13 carries, 65 yards. I didn't realize A.J. Dillon had 65 65 yards. It was a quiet 65. He rushed five yards per carry, and his long was 17. But, yeah, this is A.J. Dillon's season, right? This is when you use A.J. Dillon. And the Packers can run like this in November and December, they're going to win a lot of football games, Right. I mean, the Titans-Packers could be a three-hour football game because it's just guys running the ball in really cold weather. Like it was cold on Sunday. Actually, it wasn't that bad until it got dark. Like it it was it was fine. Like I didn't have gloves on for most of the game. Like I was I was good. And then by the fourth quarter, it got cold. Tennessee is going to be freezing because that game starting at night. The temperatures are only getting colder this week somehow. (laughs) And it's like mid-fucking-November, right? It shouldn't be this cold, Uh, but it is. And and Tennessee dealt with it last year in the snow, and this year now they're going to deal with the extreme cold. And I'd argue that the extreme cold is almost worse than the snow because usually when it's snowing, it's still like 30 degrees. Um, It's going to be really cold, really frigid, and it's also their first – dealings with the elements that that's also something dallas had to deal with they did all right right but you know that first game it's like you're not necessarily acclimated to it and tennessee is not going to be not going to be anyway it was a little probably cold in tennessee last in in, against denver on on sunday but it was probably only like 40 degrees or some bullshit like that uh, so yeah, the running game great. Five kegs. Uh, Christian Watson four kegs, as mentioned. I could have given five kegs. Obviously, I had the drops to start the game. He had the drop actually when Aaron Rodgers threw a deep on a third and four. That was right by us uh, in the third quarter, and Watson probably could have come down with that. Uh, he he wasn't able to catch it. Um, I wouldn't qualify that as a drop. It was a, it was a tough pass, but it was a beautiful throw by Aaron Rodgers. And I think like a guy like Devontae comes out with that, not to compare Watson to one of the best receivers in football. But yeah, Christian Watson had a moment, uh, three, three touchdowns, over hundred yards, uh, showed himself as a game breaker. His GPS speed, which they track about how fast guys go when they have the football. Watson was the fourth fastest in all of football for week 11. And – or, yeah, week 11, excuse me. Uh, no, week, Is it week 10? Uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. But regardless, uh, Watson was incredible in this football game when he, when he actually caught the ball. He still has some work to do. That's fine. That's going to come with the territory. He had eight targets. He was Aaron Rodgers' guy in this game. Aaron Rodgers was feeding him the ball. Aaron Rodgers told him at the beginning of the game, like, look, buddy, we're going to keep giving you this football. We're going to ride or die with you today. And that was the game plan all along. And they can do it again. Tennessee's secondary is not very good. Christian Watson's going to have opportunities against Tennessee. Bigger test against Philadelphia. Philadelphia has a very good secondary. But – the, the chance for christian watson to have this awesome second half is there and oh by the way he has similar stats similar touchdown stats to george pickens so everyone who's like oh we need to have george pickens you know watson's a boss he he stinks it's like it's fucking eight games guys we we gotta settle down he's just had a couple injuries we we were not there yet with that and it showed it showed tonight and so I'm really impressive with christian watson uh it was a great game for him Three kegs goes to the pass rush. You know, I thought the pass rush had some moments in this football game. I also thought they had some moments where they were completely non-existent. Uh without Rashawn Gary, that is a major loss. Cowboys also have a very good offensive line. Tyron Smith, even though he is, you know, past his prime, I think, he's still good. Uh Tyron or no, Tyler, so I have two Smiths. Tyler Smith on the right side, I thought did a pretty good job. Uh, he was kind of much maligned uh last year. I believe it was last year's pick. Uh, but he was he was he was all right. Like he did a good job. And so I I want to see this pass rush without Rashawn Gary against a more of a average to below average offensive line before i'm like oh yeah we don't have a pass rush anymore and joe barry needs to get creative which is probably the scariest words you can utter right joe barry just doesn't get creative but yeah i i think the pass rush was okay obviously the big play with jaron reed at the end of the game getting to dak prescott they they were so close you know throughout the game where they're like oh man One more second, they're home. One more swim move, they're home. And Jared Reed finally got there, finally broke through. And yeah, I'm not ready to be like, oh yeah, the pass rush is a major issue. It's going to be a struggle without Sean Gary. Ladarius Hamilton, not exactly a guy in there. Uh, I thought... I thought Spider Garvin had some moments, which is great because I thought Jonathan Garvin was going to get caught at some point this year. He didn't. I'll just be curious to see if Green Bay reshuffles their practice squad. You know, if an edge rusher comes available, so, you know, some sort of just freak guy, maybe, maybe that's something Green Bay looks at. Um, maybe not this week, but potentially. You know, maybe I mean. Here is the crazy thing about the pass rush: the Green Bay Green Bay doesn't exactly need. Uh, a true pass rush for a few weeks here because you have Tennessee who runs the football more I think more than anybody then you have Philadelphia who's also very run heavy then you have Chicago who's also run heavy you have then the Rams after after the bye and I have no idea what the Rams will look like I guess Cooper Cup's ankle injury is bad like we talked about the Packers having a year from hell it might be actually the Rams um, so I, I, while I, w- I did think it was a year from hell for the Packers, it actually might be worse for the Rams somehow. And they lost again on Sunday. And it looked like they're going to give the Lions at least a top-ten pick. And so it's kind of funny that, less they they win the Super Bowl, but at what cost, right? Does that Wario mean? Like, they're going to basically they, – they, they might be a runner a ship for years on end. And some Packer fans would take that, right? They'd be like, all right, I'll win a Super Bowl, but I'll be awful for the next – Few years. I just think there could be a hybrid model. We talked about this when we did the Gudikus pod two weeks ago, uh, where it's like they could still trade a number one pick for a premier player in football, but they also, they also could still draft some great guys too. Like there, there's a blend that exists and that lives out there. Uh, but, and the Packers definitely need to find, uh, but that's again, here nor there. Um, and, I look at, you know, okay, so yeah, we were talking about the pass rush, but yeah, so we don't know what the Rams look like. Maybe against, you know, you need it for Tua and and Miami Christmas. But yeah, even though Rashawn Gary is a massive loss, Packers, you know, schedule kind of plays out in a way where a pass rush might not be necessary. They're not going against the creme de la creme quarterbacks wise for a while here and Kirk Cousins might be the best quarterback they face the rest of the year if Stafford, let's say, whatever, they pull the plug, and they're like, Stafford's not going to play. But, yeah, Stafford or Kirk Cousins, that's it. I, I like Jalen Hurts. Like, don't get me wrong. I think Jalen Hurts and Tua are good quarterbacks, but they're a different type of quarterback. They're, maybe Tua should be in there. Maybe I'll hear from Tua and on with this one. But, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Two kegs goes to Darnell Savage. I, I think Darnell Savage had some moments of the slot, but he also got picked on. Uh, I thought CD Lamb, a lot of the middle of the field stuff was they were going at Savage. Um, and CD Lamb had a big game in this one, and that's something they still work on. It's still a work in progress. I will give Savage the benefit of the doubt. It was first game in slot. He, he, I think there, again, were some moments where it was good. There were a lot of moments where it was bad. Um, again, the, the, the Gunakust, uh, giving him that fifth-year option for nine point seven million is going to look really rough, um, and you just maybe wonder if that that's that one is is a bad one for Brian. And hopefully Savage you know gets better, gets more comfortable, more acclimated in the slot, and they rotate in guys like Rudy Ford and Jonathan Abram. I don't know if Abram played any snaps. He was dressed, but I don't know if we saw Abram in this game. Maybe in special teams. I I was kind of looking for him. He has obviously kind of a unique number at 44, but I don't know if I saw 44 in there the whole game. But yeah, Savage was rough. One K goes to Mari Rogers. Uh, I don't know how much we have to do with Mari. I don't know how much more we have to say. Uh, Mari Rogers is not a punt returner. And I I was willing to give the benefit of the doubt. I thought he's had some moments as a receiver, but I think the time has ended with Amari and you just kind of have to take the L and maybe the next team for Amari, it'll be great. And he'll be able to sort of reintroduce himself. You know, sometimes guys need that second team, but this was the team for Amari Rogers. I still believe the talent's there. I think he has the pedigree, but yeah, we're just not seeing it. And I don't know if it's a Clemson thing. I don't know if it's a Packers third round curse. I want to do a podcast on that because I actually think there is something to it. Um, there's not a lot of good Packer third rounders, um, so maybe that's a good fun topic. Once I have a computer back and can do some research, and I know you guys enjoyed sort of the Gunakus pod, and from what I've heard, maybe that's something we we do we do going forward. So yes, uh, brutal brutal stuff there from Mario Rogers. Can't be your can't just cannot. Cannot be a punt returner next week against Tennessee. Kashawn Nixon, hilariously, the first one he gets, he nearly fumbles. Go, almost goes. Away. I actually, think the ball would have went into the end zone. Uh, but yeah, Keshawn Nixon might be the guy here going forward. All right, quickly on the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, they had a rough weekend losing to the San Antonio Spurs. I told you guys on Friday, I felt bad about that one. I was like, I'm not gonna gamble on my team against my team, but. If you if you are one of those people, like look at the Spurs here, and yeah, sure enough, the Spurs take care of business, beat up the Bucks um, again. Not more. Not I don't have a ton to say about that game because it was super ugly. This is just a big week for the Bucks. Um, they play Atlanta, they play Cleveland, they play Philadelphia. These are three teams you might see in the playoffs. These are three teams where you need wins against them for tiebreaker purposes. And it starts tonight against Atlanta. You're not going to have Drew Holiday. The ankle injury still bothering him, which is just a bummer, right? You can't necessarily overstate how much of a bummer that is to not have Drew Holiday. And hopefully that ankle gets better. Um, it's a little troublesome that now we are a full week since that injury happened, and Holiday still not playing. Maybe maybe Wednesday, but I would I would like to know at least from the Bucks' perspective, like when or when's holiday coming back the bucks can be a little bit red china and not tell us that information but it's it's definitely needed i'll be very curious to see in this one how Giannis and the bucks adjust Giannis playing after basically taking a week off of how do they adjust to the hawks throwing a bunch of guys at him also how different does it look with trey young out there because that's another real question i have is will this look different the than the Atlanta game at Atlanta, where it was it was all Trey Young all the time. Now the Bucks and Hawks do play again in uh, January. So if the if Milwaukee wins this one, then they have the tiebreaker potential. You know when it does come to January. But yeah, I'm very curious to see the difference in what Atlanta does with Trey Young out there, and then you have Cleveland, who's obviously the young spunky team. Uh, Cleveland did lose against. Minnesota yesterday and they lost the Golden State so they're they're I wouldn't say scuffling but they're they're definitely showing that they're not unbeatable uh but they have a lot of talent a Darius Garland at 50 points nearly helped them come back and beat Minnesota after a really you know rough start for the Cavs and yeah that'll be a great test for Milwaukee they play Cleveland twice. In November, I I kind of tagged it as one of the games to watch, um, and it's it's definitely a feeling out, right? The Cleveland has the guys to defend Giannis, so this is a tough week for Giannis in general, right? You have Atlanta and and Cleveland, probably the two. Biggest teams inside with athletic bigs. Um, so it'll be a good test. And if Giannis comes out of it, you know, ahead, I think the MVP buzz grows. It's way too early to talk about that shit. And they get Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, you had to beat him 59 points Yesterday uh, against Utah in a win, uh, it was just an incredible effort for Embiid. But they're still seven and seven, so they have some work to do. I think you know beating the Bucks would be a massive statement for them. Also, what the fuck is this for the NBA? I just looked at their schedule, and they do not play the entire week. They have the entire week off before playing the the Bucks on Friday night. That's incredible. Why the hell is that? that like I'm like is that real like that's that's wild to me Bucks play three games Philly plays one answer me that question but I don't know that can that can go either way right you know we've seen the Bucks when they have a long layoff they sometimes struggle some teams like it it's a refresh recoup there's no James Harden it's gonna be all Embiid I think that actually works to the Bucks' advantage because you have Brooke Lopez who's done a, done a good job on Embiid in the past you can throw Serge Ibaka in there if you need to um, and you ha- you make Tyrese Maxey and the other guys beat him. So I think if the Bucks could come out of this two and one, three and oh, I think it's looking good. And if they, they don't, I- I'm not, I wouldn't say worried. I think if they lose to Atlanta again, I'm a little. A little concerned, right? Then I start wondering, is Atlanta the thorn in your side team, right? There's always that one team where you don't kind of want to see them in the playoffs, and maybe it will be Atlanta. But again, it's it's really fucking early, right? We don't know if this is how the Bucks will look in the playoffs. We have, we have no idea. We have, we have absolutely no idea as we are still only in November. I know we want to force the issue and we want to talk playoffs, but it is a little bit premature to just be like, okay, this is a concern or that's a concern and things like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for this week. It should be fun. But I'm also going to just try to put as – I wouldn't say a little stock, just enough stock, right? I'm not going to throw the everything into the soup soup jar or what was it be? The soup pot, right? Like I'm thinking about chicken stock, right? Like I'm not gonna put all the chicken stock in. Like I'm not gonna add it all for the soup. I'm just gonna throw in a little bit of the season long soup. Uh, that was a weird comparison, but you know, it's what that's what you get. <laughs> so hopefully, we'll be back with an actual mic tomorrow. Um, it's kind of obviously pushing back some podcast stuff and things along those lines. Um, and yeah, we'll have Mitch, we'll have Shannon this week. Keg Jam's back. Didn't have it last week because uh, of the computer issues and things like that. But Mitch and Shannon both back this week. Uh, should be a fun week of shows. Uh, we'll get into Thanksgiving. We'll figure out that schedule. That'll be a whole other schedule to figure out. But that's that's okay. It's what we it's what we do, baby. So take care of yourselves. Have a good one. Sorry for the voice. Um, it got worse as as I started taping. Uh, gonna hopefully be a little bit better for Tuesday's show. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.